Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. What's a Satellite Sister? The person you call when the best thing in your life happens or the worst. The person that gets you up, gets you going, and gets you through. And every once in a while, changes your mind. This podcast is part pep talk, part weekly check-in. Like grabbing coffee with a friend. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Satellite Sisterhood. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. We're so happy you're here. I'm Leon Dolan. We're at the Wondery Sunset Studios in West Hollywood. I'm a writer and producer. I have a big dog and a, a pretty nice husband. <laughs> <laughs> so enthusiastic. I'm Liz Dolan. I'm the middle sister. I'm here in the studio with Leon. I'm an on-again, off-again corporate executive. I live in Santa Monica, California. I have a dog named Hooper, but, you know, sometimes I call him Hoopla, just because <laughs> it's, it's fun to say. Hey, Hoopla. <laughs> Oh, hey, I'm Julie Dolan. I'm the oldest sister. I'm in Dallas, Texas right now, but I've lived and worked in a variety of places around the world. I'm an empty nester. I'm an urban Nana with five grandchildren. And I got a new man in town that I'm going to tell you about today, sisters. We're Very excited. excited. All right. Uh, we have a lot. We have crammed a lot in this show. We took a, we took a week off yeah. uh, to enjoy Thanksgiving. So we had plenty of stories when we came back. So we're going to try to jam all this in one show. It's, it's going to be <laughs> we'll hard. We'll see how that works. little update on our holiday travel. We have uh, a lot of news. Uh, in various news from Mars. Moose from oh, Mars. Yeah. <laughs> news. I didn't want to blow Julie's news, so okay. I just said news. Uh-huh. Uh, we have news from Mars. Uh, let's see. We have a whole health, wellness, and fitness block that you're going to want to, mm-hmm. you know, stay tuned for. Yeah, but- it's hard to imagine that there's news in this area because it just seems like <laughs> they keep telling us the same thing all the time. But now all of a sudden they're not. Mm. So okay. News. Aren't. Okay. Yeah. Mm. No. I, you know, it's it's tough to stick with your wealth, health, wealth, and fitness <laughs> routine in December. We're going to try yeah. to help you out here. Uh, we have a whole entertaining sisters block of stories, things to read, things not to watch. Things right. To I feel very stream. strongly. Uh, I have a strong recommendation about something not to watch. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Those are usually your strongest recommendations, <laughs> Julie. <laughs> All right. I've been working up ahead of steam about this one. And we have an important follow-up to one of the stories from the holiday food extravaganza show. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to do that later. Do that okay. later. Oh, first, I just want to remind everyone, we have... Amazing new products in the Satellite Sisters shop. So if you're if you have liked our Facebook page, joined our Facebook group, or follow us on Twitter, you've seen some of these things. But you asked for Operation Sea Turtle merch, and we delivered in time for Black Friday. Leon was watching me like on my laptop, Julie, like the last minute on Wednesday, getting everything all lined up. It was pretty awesome. I was concerned that she hadn't gone to the grocery store yet for any of the food (laughs) needed for Thanksgiving. That's right. Uh, Leon really wasn't concerned about Operation Sea Turtle t-shirts. She wanted to know about the turkey and the stuffing. My son Brooks did earn his keep, though. He did. Doing a little uh, work on the logo. Yeah, he did some last-minute graphic design for me. He came downstairs Wednesday morning, Julie, and I'm like, 
hey, do you have Adobe Illustrator on your computer? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, of course. I was like, could See, you do that's this? that's why you invite millennials to Thanksgiving, right? They're good for tech support and kitchen support. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you can get to our shop. If you go to SatelliteSisters.com, you'll see the picture of the three of us in our Stay Noisy t-shirts. It's up in the right-hand corner. You can click there. You can also find it from our uh, Satellite Sisters Facebook page, not the group. So Operation Sea Turtle, Satellite Sisters logoed stuff, Urban Nana stuff, Stay Noisy stuff, Satellite Mister stuff. And special shout out today to Amy and Becca, who this morning in the Satellite Sisters Facebook group posted an adorable photo of them in their matching Satellite Sisters uh, T-shirts at SeaWorld. So we love that. Yes, hats off. Fantastic. Yeah. That's such a cute photo. Stupendous. Yeah. Really stupendous. So as you get your merch, if you want to share what you look like in your merch with us in the group, that would be awesome. All right. First, we're going to start with a little Thanksgiving recap. We were together for the holidays. At least Liz and I were together with our sister Monica and our brother Dick, and we were all in Bend, Oregon. Mm -hmm. And my husband and I took an extended vacation. We took 12 days up there. Which is super rare. Just yes. FYI. For those of you. Right. For you and your husband. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, you'll feel better knowing we worked every day that we were there. Does that make you feel better? But um, there was a lot I would of... expect nothing less. But the big news is that we brought our dog. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is the first vacation our dog has ever been on in her whole life, I'm sure. <laughs> and if you're new to the show, I have a Steffi. She's a 100-pound German Shepherd. We rescued her two years ago from the German Shepherd Rescue in L.A., just about two years ago, Thanksgiving. Um, she came from a shelter in Downey, California, and she was in bad shape. She had been abused as a puppy. She was really sick. She had pneumonia and giardia. And it took a while for her to get mm -hmm. comfortable with us. But she has a lot of anxiety when she's not with us or in the house. Yes. So we decided to take her because her regular dog sitter wasn't available. Long story short, she did great. I mean— have dog bed, will travel. She didn't know what was happening. This is when you wish you could talk to dogs. Like, just for 10 minutes and say, listen, we're going on vacation. It's going to be great. And then we'll be back. Just stick with us. She just got in that car. She didn't make one sound for 12 hours, 800 miles. That's she, unusual because she she enjoys barking. Wouldn't she you does, say that's but, one of her big hobbies? Yeah. I mean, she doesn't go in the car much, though, because, yeah, she does. She's a German Shepherd. That's not a hobby, Julie. It's a job for a German Shepherd. Just want to be clear. Okay. For other dogs, it's a hobby. For German Shepherds, it's their existence. So, uh, and then, I mean, Bend is a great town for dogs. She loved it. Anywhere we put that dog bed down, she was like, do we live here now? Is this where we live? Because we stayed at Liz's house for like five days. Then we stayed at a rental house for four more days. Then we went back to Liz's house. And she's like, is this where we live now? Do we live here now? Do we live? Is this? And people liked her. There's yes. no dog bias in Bend. No. She's a big dog. People don't care. They don't make fun of her like they do here because she's so big. Well, whatever. And she just, there was only one walk we took where I think she was overwhelmed by nature. That yes. was, there was like trees <laughs> oh, on one side, a river on the other. That was too, too much for her to handle. Too much. It was too much. She needed some sidewalks, she, some cement. If we just stuck to the sidewalk, she loved it. She loved the noise. She loved it. So she she loved the cold weather. She had tons of energy. So she was fantastic to take on vacation. Thank you for asking, the people. <laughs> and I mean, we had a nice Thanksgiving, but yes. the dog was fantastic. <laughs>
<laughs> well, I'll do a little bit of the Thanksgiving recap then. So at my bungalow in Bend, Oregon, we were having 15 people. So it was me and Monica, Leon and her whole crew, our brother Dick and his crew, and our cousin Mara, who was visiting with her husband and three kids. So it was a good group of cousins and siblings that are not normally together in that particular yes. configuration. Yes. So that made it super nice. Leon totally took over the tablescaping, Julie. You will be relieved to know. (laughs) (laughs) Relieved to know that that, so there were some photos posted of that, but that went great. I had some rental tables and chairs. You know, I feel like we really pulled it off. Everybody got their assignments of like what our brother Dick made the turkey and brought it over. Like Monica was in charge of salad and stuffing. Mara did her thing, anything in the gluten-free category. Our cousin Mara was working on. And some, well, they live in Europe, so signing them wine and chocolate was also a stroke of genius. Yes. Because it was (laughs) really good French wine and really good Swiss chocolate. (laughs) So I recommend having Europeans at your Thanksgiving. (laughs) Oh, so noted. (laughs) But one of the best parts, Julie, is, you know, I mentioned that I was going to do just a backup turkey. That Dick had the assignment for the main turkey, but I would cook a backup turkey because the um, you know the day after you need the leftovers. And he was going to take sandwiches. his yeah. he was going to take his turkey home at the end of the night. So I did the spatchcocked turkey on the grill, and I got to say, super easy, super delicious. And I would recommend it. I mean, my turkey was only 11 pounds. So did you spatchcock it, Liz? Or did, no, was it? No. Okay. I, no. Okay. I called. The bu- I sent you I sent you photos the morning of Thanksgiving of, of you know, a spatchcock turkey. So yeah. I, just in case you were trying to achieve that. Yeah. No, no. And then I, you did it on the grill. Ooh, nice I did it ones. on the grill, yeah. which was really nice. So then that's the backup turkey we had for the next night, which I just wanted to mention briefly that, you know, our so-called leftovers night, actually there was a lot of brand new food for leftovers night. Monica <laughs> made Monica made a whole new batch of stuffing and a fresh salad. Leon, you had already made a backup pate. So we right. had, I had extra pate and I had kept behind some of the creamed onions because I didn't want to be shut out. I didn't <laughs> I wanted creamed onions the next day. That's generous on Thanksgiving to hold back your food. Yep, I like it is. that. Yep. So on Friday night, we we basically had the exact same dinner yeah. we had Thursday night, but with none of the table decorations. Yeah. Right. Just like all of the fancy stuff was gone, and now we're just just eating stuff randomly. It was great. It, it was, was fun. really good. It was super fun. And the other smart uh, decision that we made as a group is we had dinner at my place, but our our brother Dick lives a short distance away from me. He lives in Bend full time. So we walked over there after dinner and had pie and coffee and live music from our nephew Leo for uh, after dinner. It was just the perfect way to spend the evening after you've had the big, uh, you know, late afternoon dinner. Right. So, a winner for scheduling-wise. Yes. Yeah. It was a really fun Thanksgiving, Liz. Thank you for hosting. It was nice to just be a guest at Thanksgiving. It's been a long time since yes, I've been a guest right. at You've usually been in the kitchen the whole I time. I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had a smaller gathering here in Dallas. So it was just the Dallas-based family, which was fine. And I'm happy to say we, we did it at my son's house. And I, I kind of, you know... I'm kind of sorry that I wasn't hosting it, but at the same time, I'm like secretly pleased that my adult son 
wants to have Thanksgiving in his own house because it's an important tradition and holiday for him. So that's good. I feel like he he got the Dolan Thanksgiving gene, that this yes. is a good holiday and it's worth it to decorate and get dressed up and to cook a big meal and do that. So I'm also sorry, sisters, you weren't there because I did achieve stuffing perfection Thanksgiving <laughs> 2018. <laughs> really? You know, I make a white bread sausage and herb dressing. This is the same one our mom always made. Right. But this year, it was the peak combination, the savory, the crunch, the moisture. I had it all. I may never be able to achieve mm. a stuffing as delicious as that. Mm. So I'm sorry. You'll just, uh, I'll try 2019. <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, I'm happy. I, that should be, that's certainly one of my life's accomplishments. <laughs> Perfect stuffing. That's but good. Course, good for you. Congratulations. News, <laughs> the big news for us is we had a special dinner guest uh, arriving for the Thanksgiving weekend was Dickendall Oliver Twist, who is our new five-month-old black lab puppy. Yay! Yay! Wait, you know, what was that name? Little, his name is Oliver, okay? okay. Right. But his official fancy name is Dickendall Oliver Twist, right? which <laughs> I think is kind of cute. So, um, And we named him Oliver because um, it's really the first rule of grandparenting, which is grandchildren are irresistible. And it was my granddaughter, Alice, uh, thought of the name. She said, I think we should name the dog Oliver. And we said, okay, that's it. <laughs> that was our big thinking about that. But as, as some of the longtime listeners know, I used to have a big black lab, Zorro. We, you know, he was a prince of a dog, and he died a year and a half ago. And it's just taken me a really long time to get over Zorro and not feeling right that I wanted another dog. And we just, you know, we, we, my husband and I felt like the right dog would come into our lives. We didn't know what that meant or how it would happen. But we just felt that. But we knew we were getting close because we're big walkers and we were outside walking and we're constantly going up to other people's dogs and petting them. And we knew we just needed a dog. And actually, the farm where Zorro came from, they had contacted me and said, you know, uh, I have a puppy and I didn't really want a puppy, but then we met Oliver and now I want Oliver. So <laughs> he joined our family and he's great. Um, he, um, he spent the holiday weekend. Now he did. He did attend a puppy camp because I'm older and wiser, and I just thought that was a good idea. So uh, my husband and I really spent the holiday weekend reinforcing Oliver's training. And so here's how it would work: I would reinforce the commands to sit and stay and heal. And then my husband would walk alongside me and he'd reinforce the commands on me. Yeah. So, good. So, oh, you yeah. know, that went well. So at one point I told them if he gave me one more command, I was going to have to bite him because it was just, I just, I mean, I think we really want this to go well. And we know that this is having had dogs before, you know what it is. It's a slippery slope. If yes. you don't enforce the command or the obedience training, it just, it will fade away. So at least for week one, it seems like it's all going well. The only issue we have is poor little Oliver. He does a little crying in uh, his bed at night uh, yeah he does a little barking and crying and once again what the you know puppy camp says is you know you don't go in right away because that reinforces the crying and the barking you're supposed to let them settle down before you go in so they don't see a connection 
but you know, it's so, it's hard for me as urban Nana because I'm used to babies and, you know, you want to go in and pick up the baby or, you know, get the bottle or walk the baby. So you can't really do that with the puppy, right? There's, yeah. there's yeah. really nothing to do. So we've, we've had a couple of nights, uh, but I, I, I am very confident that, you know, you know, Oliver's going to settle in and uh, and things are going to go well. One of the key one of the last thing I'll say is one of the key relationships we're working on is, you know, Urban Nana does. I do a lot of dog sitting for my son's pound puppy, Lily. Yeah. And uh, so we it, we wanted to make sure we introduced Lily slowly on neutral ground to Oliver and then in our backyard. And then on Thanksgiving day, we, we brought Oliver over to Lily's house and it went, Oh, okay. Oh, only okay. <laughs> okay. I'm not, you know, that's what I'd say. And I understand Lily's point of view. Like she didn't ask for this new kid, right? Yeah. She doesn't want any part of him and she doesn't want this dog in her house that she earned and that she, you know, and all of that. So yeah. we're just taking that relationship slowly. <laughs> Puppies have a different energy too for older dogs. I've noticed that, but oh, yeah. Julie, oh, yeah. congratulations. That's a big, that's mm-hmm. a big thing to take on. It'll be great to have a new dog. I'm just actually right now Googling black lab puppies. I don't know what Oliver looks like, but in general, black lab puppies are very cute. So <laughs> yes, yes, they are. They're adorable. I'll post a picture, no doubt, but there is some other breaking puppy news. As long as we're talking about that, I want to bring to your attention a new book out that you might want to get for the holiday season that of course is his royal dogness guy the beagle the remarkable true story of Meghan markle's rescue dog oh my god this is a beautifully illustrated uh book i think appropriate for all ages i mean you don't you don't you know for any royal watcher i'm sure you would want this book in your collection and it's just out for the holiday season so be sure to pick that up his royal dogness, Guy the Beagle. That is one lucky dog. <laughs> there were some think. cute pictures of Guy the Beagle on the wedding day. Remember, right? He was yeah. in right. the car with yeah. the Queen. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. And, and then finally, just some uh, doggy diplomacy. Uh, I wanted to bring to your attention that this past year, um, a dog that Kim Jong Un of North Korea gave to the South Korean president as a peace gift recently had six puppies in South Korea. So so isn't that exciting? And this dog was given... <laughs> yes, it is. Is it? Okay. I am as hopeful that these puppies can achieve sort of nuclear, nuclear disarmament as I am any negotiations or talks we have underway. Okay? okay. These are adorable puppies. You can look them up. They are white Pungsan dogs. And this dog is a, apparently the natural monument an, animal of North Korea. I have no idea what that phrase means. I was going to say, what just, the heck I'm is that I'm just going to say it again. The natural monument animal of North Korea. These white Pungsan dogs. <laughs> but now there's six more puppies. I mean, these are amazing dogs and they, I think puppies will bring world peace. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. They have as good a shot as anyone else. That's your point. I agree. Leanne just showed me a picture of those dogs. Those are cute dogs. Hey, later on, coming up in the entertaining sister segment, I, we have more dog stuff. Wow. Excellent uh, dog TV recommendation from Allison in the Facebook group. So thank you, Allison. We took your recommendation. More on that later in the show. All right. But So um, 
we want we did want to cover some news. I know we have a lot of turkeys and <laughs> puppies, turkeys and puppies, and, puppies. and uh, entertainment coming up. But for me, the big news was the uh, the Mars landing yesterday. It's just I just cannot get enough of that stuff. You know, uh, you just watch all those scientists at work. So I got home from Oregon on uh, Saturday night. But Sunday afternoon, they were doing a live panel from JPL that you could watch online. And so you see all the scientists talking about the work. There's so many years go into what they do. And then, of course, yesterday there was the live landing. So I, I just... I, I really just want to shout out to those people who you have to have such an imagination to be able to do what they do. I mean, I know on the one hand, they're super nerds, right? They're math nerds. But they're math nerds with this sense of vision for, like, what could be possible. And that guy, Rob Manning, who often does some of the commentary for NASA TV, if you're hooked the way I am, um, he used an example yesterday. I think this was him. He said, landing one of these things on Mars is like doing a Broadway musical if you've never had a chance to put the sets and the songs and the people and the staging all together in one place at one time until opening night. He said that's what it's really like. There's no rehearsal. There's no, you can't, like, obviously they can run some simulations on things, but it's either going to work or it's not. And so that's why I think the drama, when you watch them all there lined up at their little stations and their matching shirts and everything, they really, really don't know if it's going to work. So, and uh, they've had some, they've had some failures, right, Liz? I mean, this, they've, I mean, they've only been successful, what, 40% of the time lately on Mops. Because the other thing, the other thing they constantly say, Julie, in all of these videos and all these live forums is, that this is really hard. You know, you get used to seeing it work and you think, okay, by now they have it done. But obviously it doesn't take much for the whole thing to go wildly wrong. So there were a couple of special things I liked about this particular, um, the Insight Lander. The first is it was clearly a multi-generational success story. So the guy who's like the main guy in charge, his name is Bruce Bannert. And so, like, he's the big boss, and he's running the lander and everything to do with it. But he mentioned that he started at JPL as an intern in 1976. Like, he was a college intern. And he's been there. That's a long time ago. That's a long time. Uh, Yes, I know, because I was in college in 1976. So (laughs) I know that's a super long time ago. So now he's the big boss. But then at the other end of the spectrum are the, the younger team, what they called the early career teams, which I thought was a very clever way of just referring to the youngins. They had some of these early career people working on this thing they've never had before. Did you hear them talking about the Marcos? The Marcos are the Mars Cube 1 satellites. So basically, they had two experimental satellites that were tracking InSight's progress, and they had never had that before. But this, the Marcos were put together by like the interns. Right. <laughs> they just said, okay, well, you know, give it a go. So this Andy Clash was responsible for, these are early career people at JPL, but he was saying that they also, they had interns, actual interns from Morehouse State, Michigan, and San Luis Obispo actually working on these little satellites that went all the way to Mars. And that's why we were getting all the telemetry live from the InSight lander as it was going down, because these satellites uh, were relaying those things. So I just love the fact that you've got, like, the hardcore, been there since 1976 crew, uh, and yay for them. And then you've got the 
early career people who, by the way, had their own shirts. This is another thing I love about this. It's a TV <laughs> event because the JPL people are all in the like the burgundy shirts with the badges right. that uh-huh. say Insight. Well, the Marco team, they're in the black shirts with their own Marco badges. So uh, love them. Loved everything about what was happening there yesterday. And I think about like when we were kids, Julie, we would see a lot of these moon missions or other mm-hmm. uh, missions to space. But you would just see all of these white men in white shirts at their place, right? And now you don't see that. You see just much more of a mix of people. And I find that very uplifting, too, to see all the different kinds of people that are involved in uh, space travel. I'm thinking about all those kids at the Robotics World Championships. Oh, yeah. I bet some of them worked on that. I know a couple of kids from my son's high school, which is right next to the Jet Propulsion Lab. Um, They they went on to intern at JPL and have been there. You're like, that's who those nerds are. They're the ones that were at the robotics competition. And now they're doing this. It's fantastic. And you're not spending the summer stapling, apparently, the way most interns are at most (laughs) offices. You're actually working on a little experimental satellite that made it all the way to Mars. Here's another thing I learned yesterday. Insight is what they call a backronym which I had never heard that phrase before. But a backronym is Mm -hmm. an acronym that you back into because you have a cool name. They wanted to call it Insight. So then they had to figure out, okay, what does Insight stand for? Oh! (laughs) Oh, yeah. They have all these people explaining everything on the TV coverage. So More backronyms. Yeah. Insight stands for Interior Exploration Using Seismology, Geodosity, and Heat Transport. Okay. So that's... and. So I thought, what is geodesy? Like, I don't even know what that word means. And uh, so FYI, geodesy is the branch of math dealing with the shape and area of the Earth, its orientation in space and gravity field. Oh. So there you go. You learned something today. I learned it yesterday. Just and aren't aren't you just on. really glad? Doesn't it take us out of your day-to-day stuff when you could look at, you know, read and watch about this news story? Yes. It was really the feel-good story of the day yesterday, no doubt about it. You know, Julie, it just makes me feel like we really can do anything if we just work together. I mean, we really can, you know, climate change. We could do something about that if we decide to work together. You know, some of these diseases that we're still trying to get rid of, we could really do that if we decide to work together. So to me, that's what's so exciting. It's like you have video of this successful thing that shows just the scales, the heights we can reach if we all decide, okay, let's let's all join in and do this together. So that's what I loved about it. Oh, but Julie, one last thing, and then I'll stop talking about this. You can go watch the videos. Mm -hmm. You know, the I mean your husband is a geologist. So you you may or may not know that the key part of this insight mission is that it will deploy its heat probe. It's a self-hammering 16-inch nail that will burrow down as deep as 16 feet over the course of several weeks. So they're going to put this heat probe into the Mars interior so it will reveal the amount of heat-producing radioactive elements it contains and how geologically active the planet is today. So there you go. Like for your geology types. I know. We love love it. Put that. I know. That's a drill bit. Put it down there. Good. Okay. (laughs) Because they say they know Mars quakes exist and they just want to figure out what's really happening with these Mars quakes. Anyway, there you go. It is great. I'm looking at the first photos now. It's just freaky that it's Mars because Mars is a really long way away. Yeah. 300 million miles, Leanne. That's how far away it is. Yep. They made it. Okay. Congrats, everyone over there at Caltech JPL. 
Okay, Liz, we are moving on to our uh, health and wellness block, and I want to talk to you both about something you should be doing this holiday season, and it's called fitness snacking. Wow, that sounds like something I could do. That yeah. sounds good. I went in on that. Sign me up for that class. Now, it's not what sometimes I occasionally do when I'm working out in my home. I go get a snack in the middle of my oh, fitness, of fitness? section. It's not that, list. Oh, it's not darn. That. I was hoping that's what it was. Okay. But it's something you can do over the course of the busy holiday season. We have six weeks to just not gain a ton of weight, right? Yeah. And not not lose not lose any ground on our operation exactly. seat. Yeah, turtle. just try that's to stay even. That's the goal. So, you know, we're supposed to get 150 minutes of exercise a week. Mm-hmm. But it is possible to do fitness snacking, to do three 10-minute blocks over the course of your day. It can be just as effective in helping you lose weight, wait, maintain... Wait, wait, Leanne. Yes. Leanne, there's no, there's no eating involved in <laughs> no, fitness snacking. No, sorry, Joel. Is that what you're there's saying? There's no snacks at all? No. It's just small fitness oh. bursts before oh. each meal. That could be the most effective way to do this, okay? So that's it. It's just 10 minutes of exercise can also improve your brain's memory and function, also important over the holidays. So (laughs) if you feel like you can't get a workout in, you can get these fitness snacks Snacks. in, okay? Okay. So it's, it's okay snacking, and that's the thing. So the two keys are just to keep moving for 10 minutes, okay? So it's a high-energy snack. So whether that's a really good walk or you want to do squats or some sort of dance move, you can do that. Turn on like a couple— turn on the music. Three Prince songs, you're good. Fitness snack. (laughs) There you go, okay? You're good. You're good. So fitness snacking. Fitness snacking. Think about it over the holidays. I just thought it was a funny phrase that will stick in your mind. We do some fitness snacking. There you go, Liz. Okay. Now, if you needed any more motivation, I've got it. And this is, again, more science. Um, This was a headline in the New York Times last week. Regular exercise may keep your body 30 years younger. Okay? 30 years. That's a lot, people. Like, so I thought, hmm, what is that about? And it's a study. How how does that even work? I'm going to tell you. The muscles of older (laughs) men and women who have exercised for decades are indistinguishable in many ways from those of healthy 25-year-olds, according to an uplifting new study. So here's what they did. Wow. That's what I say every day when I put on my my skirt. Indistinguishable. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Sure. Well, here's what they they wanted to study, Julie, and they didn't expect to get this result. They were kind of thinking, well, you know, there was this exercise boom in the 70s. Remember? It's when everyone started running. It's when aerobics started. Tennis. Yeah. Yeah. So there were a lot of people that started exercising exercising when they were young in their in the 70s who were like septuagenarians now so they thought let's see if that really did them any good so they recruited some of these 70 somethings who had like been exercising uh since the 70s and they compared them to young people 20 somethings and they thought that the young people would have more robust muscles and aerobic capacities while the lifelong exercisers would be weaker on both counts This is not true. Wow. Instead, the muscles of the older exercisers resembled those of the young people with as many capillaries and enzymes as theirs and far more than in the muscles of the sedentary elderly. So there you go. They said that the active elderly group did have lower aerobic capacity than the young people. Oh, that's okay. But their capacities were about 40% higher than those of their inactive peers. So if you 
didn't keep it up the whole 30 years? Well, I'm not sure if there's necessarily fitness snacking, Liz. Fitness snacking. <laughs> but and so but, and then they when did they tag on this extra 30 years? That may or may not be to your advantage. Like, it, well, does that it, mean you're going to be like 110? No, it's no. not. The, they're not saying you're going to live 30 years younger, <laughs> 30 years but, longer. But, they're saying your muscles are as healthy and your right, cardiovascular okay. system is as healthy okay, as someone 30 years younger than you. Uh, In fact, when the researchers compared the active older people's aerobic capacities to those of the established data about normal capacities, they calculated that the aged active group had the cardiovascular health of people 30 years younger than themselves. That's fantastic. So just putting it out there, it's the reason when I post the Operation Sea Turtle update every Saturday in the Facebook group, I personally try to focus on the activity side of it rather than, say, calorie counting, just because I find, for me, the more active I am, the more everything else falls into place. So, yay. Okay, so that's good. Well, I'll have a link to that in the show notes. 30 years, people, that is nothing to to snack at. (laughs) Then then there was another big study that came out, and this I'm just going to touch on briefly because, once again, they're telling us everything is the opposite of what they thought it was. This is the low-carb diet is back, right? You've all known that. Julie, you said you were trying the keto, right? Right. I'm on a low-carb diet. Yeah. That works the best for me. So there's this giant new study that came out, and I will put the uh, link in the show notes, that shows that the popular advice on weight loss promoted by health authorities, basically the idea that when it comes to weight loss, all calories are created equal, that is Not true, apparently, after all these years. So the idea that just counting calories, reducing portion sizes, and lowering your fat intake, mm, no, could be outdated. And the study confirms that, remarkably, diets higher in starch and sugar change the body's burn rate after weight loss, lowering your metabolism. Isn't that all we've ever wanted. I mean, yes. To, to know, like, how do we increase our metabolism yeah. versus lowering it? So, and then this one last thing I just want to mention here. Um, they said that uh, in this study, they found that based on what you were eating, so if you were eating the carbs, they said at a certain point, your bodies are just trying to regain the weight. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I felt that. No, I have literally that's felt what that. I put. Here's the note I put myself on this. You are not imagining it is all I want to say about that, that the uh, that they put them on strict diets. They lowered their body weight by about 12 percent. And then the moment they do that, your body is just trying, 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 trying to 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 gain the weight. So that's why if you go the other way, um, that is not going to happen. You're you're actually maintaining a higher metabolism. So there you go. Hmm. I don't know. It just, it, I'm going to have to try this over the holidays. I think the low carb way. So now that I've, now that my mashed potatoes on Thanksgiving are in my past. Right. Moving into low carb for the holidays. Right. I don't know. Still sad about toast. Still can't have toast. I know. I know. What are we going to do about that? Not to mention cottage cheese and a few other good things. Or cinnamon buns. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We have to do the follow up on the cinnamon buns now. Now on our holiday show. We asked you for your favorite food traditions, and we read something from Nicole who said she was under the impression that cinnamon buns and chili was a thing. 
something they always had in her home on Christmas Eve. And then when she went out in the real world and left her home, she found out that people ate cornbread with chili. And she she really hadn't gotten over it. And I thought that was very funny. So I read that. Well, Nicole, I know that you feel better because Becca posted and then the floodgates opened. (laughs) Cinnamon buns and chili are a thing. Now, not a thing across the country, but a thing in certain parts of the country. Becca wrote, just listening to the holiday food episode and have to chime in from Nebraska to say chili and cinnamon rolls are a Nebraska staple. I'm sorry the word hasn't spread to the sisterhood, but it's a delicious combo. (laughs) So Nicole was certainly duped with this as a special holiday food because it ain't fancy, Nicole. Here in Nebraska, it is regularly served as part of the school lunch program. Wow. Bing, bing, bing. And that, <laughs> that that is a thing if it's in the school lunch program. That right. triggered so many people in the Satellite Sisterhood who said, oh, yes, we used to have that for school lunches, too. And they remember it fondly as a snow day treat of chili and homemade cinnamon rolls. We heard from North Dakota, South Dakota, Iowa. Kansas, Oregon, Wyoming, Wisconsin, and Tennessee all saying, yes, this was a fantastic school lunch treat. Aha. Uh-huh. Is that the craziest thing you've ever heard? That's crazy. <laughs> no, I had never heard of it. And now I realize like most of the country has been doing it. And it also says to me, like, people love those school lunches. Many people said the only time I ever got the hot lunches was when it was chili and cinnamon buns. Because let's Let's be honest. Who doesn't love cinnamon buns? Nobody doesn't like cinnamon buns. You learn something new every day on this show, don't you? Right? So it is a thing. Uh, We didn't know. It was not a thing where we grew up. We had mock pizzas. That was our school lunch thing. Oh, I love those on English muffins. Yeah. Yeah. Which they were not That's pizzas. a whole other show. It's a we whole other show. can't talk about that now. Yeah. All right. But then as one little coda here, Denise wrote in, in Minneapolis, our junior high would serve chow mein and cinnamon rolls homemade <laughs> one of our favorite lunches wow okay, okay. that's not a thing denise i'm so <laughs> well we might be about to find out that that's a thing too okay i mean that chow either chow mein and cinnamon rolls are together i can't believe that but all right thank you that was a fun show to do and we appreciated the conversation on the facebook page there now you're going to teach oh, yeah. us how to manage our energy over the okay. holiday, Liam. This is another <laughs> thing we've been thinking about. Well, we're yeah. not like, eating. Okay. Apparently, we're not eating, we're and we're just fitness snacking. snacking. Fitness well, snacking. Yeah, so we're exercising three times a day, and we're just trying to <laughs> keep our lives in order, get through the holidays. Well, the New York Times had a piece about saying no over the holidays, and it was it had some legitimate strategies in the piece, but also some funny ones. It was a combination thing, but it really made me think about what our personal strategies were because mm-hmm. invitations do come in. There are obligations. There are things you know you should go to, things you want to go to, things you don't want to go to at all, but you're <laughs> going to have to go to. Some of those, and, yes. And a lot of people discuss how no is the most powerful word of saving your energy and self-care and no is a complete sentence. You don't have to over-explain. But who amongst us can actually just go, oh, could you want to come to this? No. I mean, no one says <laughs> My holiday party? No. No. No, no thanks. I like <laughs> holiday parties. You know what, Julie? Let's talk about our personal strategies because I appreciate being invited to parties and places. Uh-huh. I host mm-hmm. a lot of events. So when someone actually like sends me an invitation, I really try to make my best effort to go. Mm-hmm. You know, even if the night of the event, you're always think, oh, 
Okay, we got to get to this. You always think that. Always I, think I that. do anyway. You're always like, I know I'm going to regret this. And then, then I, but, but then you go I and go, you enjoy you it. You go and it's, you're out and it's part of the season. And so if people genuinely send me an invitation, I genuinely try to make an effort to go. And when I go, I try to, you know, be a good guest. Try to eat the cookies. I try. <laughs> I might not eat the cookies, but I will try to be a good, be a good guest. What do you do, Liz? Are you a, you're a yes person? I'm usually like? a yes person. I you know I like to go because it's one of the few times you can catch up with a lot of people that you don't see in the course of a busy year, right? right? And th- the other night, I invited a whole bunch of my neighbors over Sunday night because there was a new neighbor who moved in next door to me, but we hadn't all like met him when he moved in in September, and so I had a bunch of my neighbors over on Sunday night, and you know it's pretty easy to do. And it was really fun. We had a great time. See, that's the that's the rub. Sometimes it's really fun. Julia, are you a yes person or a no person? I am holiday? a yes person. I quite frankly, I don't get invited to that many right, me neither. parties. Yeah. That, it, that it's a problem. <laughs> but so far, yes, I can say yes to it. But I would say my overall theme for this year is I'm calling this my containment Christmas. Okay, because I just think there are so many distractions that it's really easy to get away from trying to have the kind of holiday you really want to have. And what I mean by that is, you know, okay, take gift giving. Like for my grandchildren, I've decided they're all getting experiential gifts. So not as many toys, but we're going to do, they're going to be some special you know, experience for each one of them, with the exception of Evelyn, because she's only seven months, so she gets a toy. But but every day in my email, there's, you know, I get all these ads like, oh, 20% off this, 20. And, you know, it was it's easy to fall back to thinking, oh, well, I could just get one more little stocking stuffer, you know, and things can escalate very quickly. The same is true in terms of gift giving to your neighbors or to your friends. Where do you draw the line? And, you know, or how about decorations? Uh, how, you know, wh- how elaborate are you going to do? I think you have to be very, or I am trying very hard this season to be very deliberate and purposeful and try to be generous to people who have less than me and try to make the gifts that I'm giving be very meaningful so that the meaning of Christmas or holidays would come true. Well, good luck with the puppy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've already gotten him a stocking. Okay. And, and it's like every day things from Amazon are arriving for him. So easy. He gets whatever he wants, Oliver. All right. Well, I want to tell you what the New York Times strategies for saying no were. And, and just, you know, some were funny. Like, be honest. Just yeah. say, I really need a night in tonight. Oh, I would not recommend that. Would you that. ever try that? Why would you do that? I don't know. Then, I, can't you? If you don't want to go, you just say, oh, I'm already booked that night. Well, Lying, Liz. Are you? Is, I'm not a liar. I have a hard time lying. I feel like oh. I get caught in lies. Oh, you okay? Okay, okay. be vague. This I can okay, do. vague. That's good. Yeah, this sounds so fun, but oh, I need to work on some stuff. <laughs> that seems like a lie too, Liam. Yeah. Well, I've used that for the last three months, though, because that's true. I have been working on stuff, and you some have. stuff I just okay. can't commit to. Like it's too much to like. Mm. So I just say, oh, I'm working on stuff. Uh, you can just straight up ghost, say, oh, I'm going to go, and then don't That's go. That's the worst. That's I do not worst. believe in that. Terrible, not... terrible, terrible. Don't do that. Yeah. And then <laughs> this this one made me laugh. Just make it their problem. Like, oh, my gosh. You know, I'd rather just talk to you about my problems instead of coming to your party. <laughs> oh, how awful. And that then... is not the spirit of the holidays. No. But, I mean, you should try to help other people, yeah. too, if and... they're feeling blue. 
And then finally just... I mean, not everybody's in the mood to be in a social uh, situation. And then finally just panic and mania. Just start freaking out, and then maybe they'll uninvite you. That's the the strategy of last resort. I just think I'm a big believer in not over-explaining. If it's not something you want to go to or can go to, you don't need to explain the whole reason Mm -hmm. why. So that's why when I say I'm already booked, I might be booked because I'm going to stay home and watch TV that night. (laughs) You know, which in my mind is a booking. Okay. Okay. But I almost always say yes. Yes. Yeah. Unless it's a Wednesday night in Los Angeles traffic on the other side of town. Right. And then it's like, sorry, I do not own a helicopter. (laughs) It's always a no. It's always a no. All right. Moving on. Entertaining sisters. Julie, what do you got? Well, the first thing I have is a book recommendation for you. Over the holiday weekend, I had a chance to read Becoming by Michelle Obama. Oh, great. How was that? Great. Okay, so first of all, you should read it, okay? Mm-hmm. I, I just can't think of anyone who wouldn't want to read this. And here's, but, you know, here's what I, I found so interesting about the book. I think we all have a sense of her public persona. You know, she is certainly one of the most famous people in the world. And over the course of her time as first lady, we, you know, we saw her a lot. We heard her, you know, and she's given, you know, great speeches and she's great in public. But what I loved about this book is it's really a chance for me or for you to sit down with her. You know, I mean, it's very one on one because it is a much more personal book about Michelle Obama. She is the focus of it. It's not it's not about her famous husband, it's about her. And what I loved about it is clearly she is an extraordinary woman. She is living an extraordinary life, but we I came to know her better through some what I can only describe as sort of ordinary or more common or everyday experiences, which made it very relatable. I mean, she wrote, I mean, for example, she wrote how when she was in elementary school that she lived, her um, house was close to the school. So she and a pack of girlfriends used to always come home for lunch and her mother would make sandwich, be in the kitchen making sandwiches and all the girls would be there just talking and eating, you know, and how, how great it was for her mother to be, you know, to have that little perspective, to be, to be in on what her daughter was doing. I mean, I, I love that, oh, you know, so nice. uh, or I loved how she stood up to her college counselor who said, Hey, you know, no way you can go to Princeton. You just, you know, that's really, you know, and she just decided she really wanted to do that, you hmm. know, that that was, and she did it. Uh, I love that she wrote later on about the resentment she felt trying to work full time, raise two girls, and Barack Obama was always late for dinner. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) you know, yeah, you can relate to that, right? I I mean, that that is like, or you know, you wrote about the heartbreak of her miscarriage, miscarriage, you know, or just because she did struggle to get pregnant that sense of protection that she had about the, uh, about her daughters. Uh, so there's, I mean, those are just s- some of them, but I just found it so, so much more satisfying even than I thought it was going to be. But I, I've decided like, this is the best thing, even, oh, even better than seeing her in person. I liked being alone with her, reading her book because I, I thought there were so many great vignettes in there. There's so there's some wonderful stories, funny stuff with her and the queen. I mean, you, you name it. And <laughs> the other thing that's very fun about this book is you can read it front to back 
or you can read it back to front as far as I'm concerned, you know, because you know, uh, Michelle, so you could just dip in at any chapter and there's something interesting and revealing and personal. And that was, that really surprised me. And so it was thoroughly enjoyable and I would recommend it to anyone. Okay. That's great. I was thinking okay. of downloading the audiobook because I always like listening to these memoirs by women when you hear it in their own voice. But it sounds like you read the, you know, the paper book and also you could hear her voice. Yes, I'm very, very strong. Very, I mean, you know, that her presence really comes through. And there is, I mean, there's been a lot of headlines about certain aspects of the book, but it would, it's more the... It was more of these very relatable experiences all the way through. Obviously, you know, her life in the White House or being, you know, the first lady, very different. But you still could just sense, you know, how, you know, her strong sense of herself as uh, as as an individual, as a wife, as a mother, as a as a daughter, as a citizen. All these things counted so much to her. So that's great. It's a good one. Okay. So okay, that's, that's your a yes, one. but I you got also a bad one. Yeah. Okay. I've got I've got a bad rec- uh, recommendation for you. I was based on a recommendation that I got over the holidays. Is that oh, you got to watch on Netflix the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. I don't know. Have you heard about this? Yes. yes. This is the Cone Brothers thing. This is the Cone Brothers. It is, um, it is a, it's a movie, it's an anthology film comprised of six stories about the West. So uh-huh. I like Westerns, so I thought this was a great idea. The Coen brothers wrote and directed it. It's got all kinds of stars in it. Tim Blake Nelson, Liam Neeson, James Franco, Tom Waits, Zoe Kazan, Tyne Daly, you name it, okay? All right. It is so violent and so dark and oh, really? so oh. twisted. Okay, so the good news is the vignettes are short. Okay, so there is a lot of, you know, from the get go, there's a lot of violence. And I'm like, okay, well, the first one was terrible. Let's do the second one. The equally is violent, dark and twisted. So then I'm getting mad. So then I watched the third vignette uh, and it was the same kind of twisted, bizarre. uh Uh-uh, I'm out. So I only did three of the six two thumbs down on this. I cannot okay. recommend it. And I'm a sort of like, really, really? That's, that's what I have to say to the Cone brothers and the ballad of Buster Scruggs. Okay. Fantastic. I am not tempted to watch that at all now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you for saving me some hours of my life. And then we had Poldark, the season finale for this season. Julie, I was just able to catch up uh, this morning before I came into the studio. I was able to watch the last episode where a lot happened. Yes, I know. Now, this is spoiler alert because right. we are going to talk about the finality, but finale. But I firmly believe this is such an excellent season that even if you know or even if we reveal the ending, you should watch the whole thing to see how it plays out. <laughs> right. I just like that. It, I like that it started with like ghosts from the past. I like that all those old people, all those old characters showed up. I was happy to see them. I thought this was a pretty satisfying season finale. So, yes, I wouldn't say the whole season was great. Flashback in the beginning. Yeah. You know, and with the very telling line, it will always be Ross. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 it ended with a conclusion of a giant story arc. Elizabeth 
who loves Ross and is willing to die for him, right, Liam? Yes, that's true. <laughs> and in order, but here's the story, Liz, that in order to secure the birthright and stability of her love child with Ross, mm -hmm. this little boy, Valentine, who is the spitting image of Ross, but Elizabeth has told her sniveling husband, George, that indeed it's George's child. But Elizabeth goes to the worst doctor on earth, right, Liam? Mm -hmm. that, that doctor could not have been worth. He gives her some mold of rye potion to induce labor at eight months. Then this is in order to reinforce the lie that she has been telling George that she oh, always gives yeah. birth at eight months because Valentine was conceived before, before George, I guess, was involved. So there, but Elizabeth dies in childbirth as a result of this terrible potion <gasps> she's taken, oh. but the child is alive. But she has given it all for Ross, right? I yes. found it very satisfying. Lately. Yes, I did too. I was glad she's out of this picture. I mean, <laughs> you know, in a well, in a, well, in a romantic kind in a of... believable way. In a, you know, so yeah. some of these storylines we need to move on. I yeah. just I could have done without the lingering close up of George at the end of the finale. I thought <laughs> this does not bode well for next season. We're going to have more George. But all right. Got it. But yeah, there were some great there were some great bits. So I'll try to get some notes up on the website. I'm behind because I was in Oregon and the cable was out. Yes. So frankly, I'm behind on our on my viewing of many things. So <laughs> I just watched it this morning without taking any notes. But we'll start a thread over in the Facebook group. And Liz, you had you wanted to one last something. recommendation I wanted to pass along. It was posted in the Facebook group by Allison. And thank you, Allison. And this is to watch the show Dogs on Netflix. So obviously we love dogs. And I felt like I had watched every possible kind of show about dogs yeah. ever. You know, all those years I worked at National Geographic, we had like the history of dogs and how wolves became dogs <laughs> and, you know, dogs of the world, a lot of dog documentaries. This is very, very different. And it's beautiful because it's just very personal stories of individuals and their dogs. So it's as much about the people as it is about the dog. But it it's what an important part of the person's life the dog is. And so thank you, Allison, for that recommendation. I really loved it. The first episode is on service dogs for kids with all kinds of needs. And it's super moving. It's this girl, Corinne, who is epileptic. And she gets a service dog named Rory. And it's how the whole family adjusts to having Rory um, help care for Corinne. And one of the things that her mom said is, I think it was her mom, and who said, the... Um, I want her to be the kid with the dog, not the kid with the problem. So because when oh. she first brings Rory into school, everyone's like, oh, now you're cool. Now you're and that just really struck me. It's a beautiful story. But it also made me think so much of our satellite sister, Betsy, and her son, Henry, and Henry's service dog, Scout. And Betsy, because we're Facebook friends, I know you and Henry and the whole family has been really going through a hard time over the holiday that that Henry's been in and out of the hospital. And Lee, and you've met Henry and Scout, right? Yes, they came to our Betsy organized our meetup in Austin, Texas, a couple of years ago. And Henry was there with his service dog, Scout. Yeah. So I think when you watch this first episode, you really begin to appreciate what a role these very special dogs uh, play in the lives of these very special kids. So pass that along. And the other episodes are great, too. I'm not all the way through, but I'm about halfway through. Um, and then, oh, one last thing. Today is what they call Giving Tuesday. So if you want to be generous to charities you love, um, that's good. And we did get two excellent uh, emails. 
at sisters at SatelliteSisters.com, where we're getting gifts. So obviously, these two people felt like they wanted to tell the Satellite Sisters um, how much they loved us. The first one says, Dear Owner, I'm John... Okay, which is... Okay, that, that's a red flag. Yeah. Uh, dear Owner, I'm John F. Kelly, White House Chief of Staff. I'm contacting you regarding unclaimed fund. The Executive Office, this office of the President of the United States recently became aware of your unclaimed fund in the amount of $7,500,000. Wow, so thank, thank you. you. John Kelly is sending us $7.5 million. By the way, John Kelly's email address, if you want to respond to this <laughs> and get your money, it's kelljohn48 at gmail.com. So, oh, don't. again, <laughs> probably not a government email. But then we got, I was thinking, okay, maybe that's not real. But then we got another one, and it's from Mr. Warren Edward Buffett, a philanthropist and founder of the Mr. Warren Edward Buffett Family Foundation. He wants to give us $5 million. So, uh, but he also, his email address is Mr. W. Edward Buffett, spelled incorrectly, to at gmail.com. So anyway, we could have a windfall here of the 7500000 and the $5 million, or maybe not. But that's just <laughs> so far today on Giving Tuesday. All right. Well, let's hope. Let's hope. Uh, we have our to-do list, but first we want to thank our sponsors for this week's show. We want to thank Green Chef, Brooklinen, Harry's, and Salsa Basket. Thanks for supporting Satellite Sisters, and thanks to everybody who supports our sponsors. It's a it's a great circle of support we have here at Satellite Sisters. We appreciate it. We'd like to thank Sergio Enriquez for engineering this show and doing a lot of great work for us over the holidays. We appreciate that. Uh, on our to-do list this week... I need to watch two episodes of Madam Secretary because Julie and I are taping the recap tomorrow. Oh, okay. So I'm a little behind, but it's coming, the Madam Secretary recap. So that's what I'm on my immediate to-do list. Julie, how about you? I'm Well, I'm heading to Brooklyn for an Urban Nana assignment, and I'm very grateful to Karen's post on her way, uh, Facebook uh, page because we I'm getting some excellent suggestions on shoes, Urban <laughs> Nana shoes from Jean, Janice, Jennifer, and Ellen. So if you need some high-activity shoes, uh, go check these out at the Facebook group. And Liz, how about you? Well, I was at physical therapy yesterday, sisters, for, you know, for that weak uh, right butt cheek situation yeah. I have. So here's my therapy for this week is walking backwards. That because <laughs> You might need some shoes for that. Too. I know, some kind of guardrails or something, Julie. The Because I am firing my hamstrings instead of my glutes, I have to practice walking backwards. And okay. it's so funny because there's an older couple I see every morning in my neighborhood. That when I'm out walking Hooper, they're walking together, and one of them is always walking backwards, and and then they swap, and it makes me laugh every time I see it. But now I'm going to be one of those people. I don't know how I'm going to do that all by myself. I don't know how you're going to do it. Yeah. And, and what will Hoopla, or a.k.a. Hooper, <laughs> think? I don't think he's a service dog quality guide in this situation. <laughs> and my physical therapist taught me how to do it on a treadmill. I was going to say, yeah. I feel like for you, safety first, yes. and the treadmill may be the way to go. She said, just go super slow. Slow on the treadmill. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see about that. I'll report back next week on how the walking backwards goes. Fitness snacking, Liz. <laughs> do, do some fitness snacking. 
fitness snacking okay. in that it's tent. Okay. It's all so complicated to remember it all. All right. Thanks to everyone for listening to Satellite Sisters. And thanks to everyone who likes to share the sisters. We appreciate uh, all of your reviews on any plat- pat- <laughs> podcast platform you listen to or sharing it with your family and friends. You know, you can actually just take their phone and just, just sign them up right away. Just yeah. Subscribe. That's one way to do it. Mm-hmm. It's a good uh, holiday activity when you're <laughs> when you're at a party that you don't want to be at. That's you can just you hide can't in the think corner. of anything to talk about. Just get people's phones and subscribe them. <laughs> the Satellite Sisters, excellent idea, Leah. All right, we're the Satellite Sisters. Don't forget, call your Satellite Sister.